If you would, please go in your Bible to the book of Numbers, chapter 13 of the book of Numbers. This is the fourth book in your Bible, in your Old Testament. Numbers chapter 14, and we'll begin at verse 25. And as you find that, I want to mention what I think most of you have probably already uh, heard and know, uh, that this week we uh, lost uh, a great giant of the faith uh, in the person of uh, our esteemed elder, uh, Joe Martinez. And uh, Brother Joe is going to be dearly missed by our congregation and by uh, this community. He was a man of the word, a man of his word, a man of prayer. And uh, we're going to be celebrating his life uh, along with his family uh, who is here this morning. And we uh, honor them, pray God's grace upon them. Uh, we're going to begin uh, this celebration of his life tomorrow here in the sanctuary. There will be a viewing from noon until about 7 p.m. And then at 7 p.m. we'll have a memorial service and celebrate the life of this great man of God. So I want you all to be praying for the family as well as make plans to be here to honor and to uh, pay tribute to this man who touched all of our lives. And then on Tuesday morning, we'll be joining his family as they say goodbye and prepare uh, to say goodbye to him in the physical form. But look forward to seeing him again in glory. And so as uh, as you look around this morning, you see many things that remind you of Elder Martinez, I'm sure. And uh, God has given us a great blessing in his life and now in his legacy and in his example. And as a church, uh, we must rise to the occasion and uh, fill the place uh, that he leaves behind, a great man of prayer and uh, we must not let that covering of prayer uh, fall, but it must continue to rise uh, from the hearts of a new generation who take seriously uh, their commitment to God. And uh, so uh, be praying for the family and be also um, comforting one another. I know all of our hearts are heavy uh, in this moment, but we are encouraged because our God uh, is greater than death. And uh, we have the certain hope of the resurrection. The book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 25. It reads, Then they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. And they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, and to all the congregation, and shown them the fruits of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Enoch there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites. And the Amorites are living in the hill country. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people 
before Moses and said, We should, by all means, go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied, and the land through which they had gone in spying out, a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who saw it are these men of great size. And these men who were Nephilim are giants, the sons of Anak. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, they said. And we were in their sight as well. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask today as we come to this often retold account of your word, that you would give us a fresh perspective, allow us in our hearts to receive the word and the challenge that it will bring to us by faith. And I ask that you would give us the grace to put it into action in our lives. I ask also that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We've been talking about the power of yes. And I want to share this morning, as we conclude this series, uh, a warning, if nothing else, about the tragedy of no. We've been talking about the power of yes and how God has given to each one of us the decision factor, the ability to decide, yes, I'll believe, yes, I'll trust, yes, I'll depend, yes, I'll wait upon God. But that also means that there is a choice for man to say no. There is a decision that all of us must make. And this morning we have as an example the nation of Israel. This was a nation that God did some marvelous works for and through. And they serve as an example, says the Apostle Paul, so that we will not repeat their errors or their mistakes. And so it would be the better part of wisdom this morning to learn from them rather than have to experience what they experienced. This was a people that God had made a promise to. He had promised them that they would become a nation. And he had promised them that he would give them a land. And uh, that is the land we call today the Holy Land or the Promised Land. And actually the promise was made not to the nation that we read about in the book of Numbers. But it was made to their patriarch, to their father Abraham. God had told Abraham, I will give you and your descendants this land. And for a very long time, uh, more than 400 years, there was a waiting and an expectation. All of his life, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, lived as pilgrims in that land, waiting for the day when God would give them possession of what he had promised to them. Then the nation of Israel entered into uh, Egypt, and they became slaves under the brutality and cruel hand of Pharaoh. God brought a marvelous and mighty deliverance from the nation of Egypt. And God in one day delivered the Israelites. He delivered the Hebrews out of Egyptian bondage. And he brought them out not only free, but completely full as he provided to them their wages for 400 years of slave labor. The Bible said that the Egyptians themselves came to Israel and brought them the gold and the silver and their precious stones 
And Israel, the Hebrews didn't have to sack Egypt. Egypt sacked itself. And when, it, the, when Israel walked out of Egypt, it walked out free and it walked out rich. It walked out completely provided for by God. Don't ever think that God doesn't settle the accounts. Sooner or later, he will settle the accounts. Say amen, somebody. And when he does, he's going to do it right. They walked into a, a wilderness experience now. And they faced the, 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 the barrier of the Red Sea. And when they got to the Red Sea, the Lord parted that sea and they crossed it on dry ground. And then they came to the mountain of God. And on that mountain, the nation of Israel saw with their own eyes the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory cloud of God's presence descend upon that mountain. That mountain shook under the power of the presence of God. And there was thunder and lightning at the roaring of God's voice. And they said to Moses, Moses, we're too afraid to go talk to God. Why don't you go on up that mountain and talk to Him and just come back and tell us about it later. And so Moses went up into that mountain. He went up into that glorious presence of God. And when he came back down, his face was glowing with the presence of the Almighty God. He came down with the revelation of God's law, the Word of God. Oh friends, can I tell you, there is nothing like the presence of of God. There is nothing like being in the presence of the Almighty. You can be in the presence of many great men, but there is nothing like being in the presence of the Almighty God. He changes you. He transforms your life. He, he makes you a new man, a new woman. And if today you are saying, I want to be different, you've got to run into the presence of the Almighty God. Moses came out of the presence of God with revelation, with insight, with the Word of God. He came to the nation of Israel and He, he um, brought to them the law and He brought to them a promise. He said, God has told us that we're going to, to take possession of this land. So after a couple of years of being there and preparing themselves and preparing the tabernacle, they then journeyed to Kadesh Barnea. They came to the uh, edge of the River Jordan. On the other side of the river was the land of the promise. On the other side of the river was the thing that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They now were at the very edge of possession of that promise. The scripture tells us that Moses sent 12, tri 12 spies into the land. These 12 spies for 40 days walked through the length and breadth of that land. They saw the glories of it. They saw the beauty of it. They saw the fruit of it. They saw that there was a, it was a land of streams and rivers. They saw that it was a land of, of harvest and of crops. They saw that it was a land full of God's blessing. But they also saw that the land was full of giants. They saw that it was a land that was consumed by uh, the, the pagan cultures of the Canaanites. And when they came back to Moses, 10 out of the 12 spies had an evil report. The Bible said they had an evil report. A bad report. They came and they said, yes, the land is a good land. Yes, the land is a fruitful land. Yes, the land is a blessed land. But we can't possess that land. There are giants in that land. There are adversaries in that land. That land is too difficult for us to possess. And as they began to share this bad report, this faithless and unbelieving report spread into the hearts of the nation of Israel. 
They were on the very edge of promise. But when they heard this report, they began to tell God, no, no, Lord, we can't do this. We can't possess the land. We can't go forward from here. Fear had gripped their hearts. And I want you to see, friends, that they had a perspective that many people have even in the 21st century. Maybe even some of us this morning have this perspective. I call it the problem perspective. The problem perspective is when all we can see is the problem that's in our life. When all we can see is the challenge that is in front of us. How many of you have ever had the prob problem perspective? When, you're, when your eyes could only see the trouble that was in front of you. When you thought, where am I going to get victory out of this? When you saw that there was only darkness. When there were only giants. When you saw only mountains and valleys and no breakthrough. Can I tell you, friend, that if you live with the problem perspective, you will live under the, uh, the, the power of that problem. If you live with a problem perspective, then all you'll ever have is that problem. God calls us to a higher place of living. He calls us to a higher view. He calls us to a promise perspective. The promise perspective looks beyond the problem to the promise of God. The, prob the problem perspective sees what I can't do. The promise perspective sees what God can do. The problem perspective sees what I don't have. The promise says this is what I do have because God has promised it to my life. And it needs to be our desire every day to have a promise perspective. To live with a view of what God has promised over our life. Because as we have quoted many times throughout this series, all of the promises of God are yes and our amen. Say amen, somebody. I said all of the promises of God are yes. And so if the promises of God are yes, if they belong to us as children of God, then we need to keep our eye on what God has spoken. Keep our eye on what God has promised. Look at what the nation of Israel did. First of all, they saw the giants. They saw the obstacle. They saw the challenge. Can I just tell you now, you're going to face some giants in this life. Sooner or later, you're going to face some giants that will come to intimidate you. That will come to steal and kill and destroy your faith. You will face the giant of unbelief. You will face perhaps the giant of sickness or disease. You may face the giant of, of, um, of financial lack. Or maybe you will face the giant of emotional discouragement and depression. I don't know what giants you're going to face in this life. But I do know this. If you keep your eye on that giant, that giant is going to get bigger in your life. Can I just tell you that when David went to, uh, to the uh, battlefield, he saw what everybody else saw. Saul and the army saw a giant. And they said, no way, Jose. When David saw that giant, he saw an opportunity for God to be glorified. So I want you to turn that around and see that when you have a giant in your life, see it as an opportunity for God to show up and manifest His power in your life. You're going to have to say amen this morning because I'm preaching the Word of God. If you keep your eye on the giant, you won't see 
the God who is bigger than the giant. Can I just tell you that there is no giant greater than God. There is no challenge greater than God. There is no obstacle greater than God. And there is no sin greater than God. Come on somebody. I'm talking about an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. He is almighty. And when you put your eyes on Him, you realize that that giant is not as big as you thought it was. That that challenge can be overcome and surmounted as you put your faith in God. The second thing they did was they set their eyes upon themselves. They said, we are not able. And this is what they said. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. Now, how did they know what the natives thought of them? How did they know what the giants thought of them? This is their own thinking. These are their own thoughts. These are their own ideas. Can I tell you, friend, that as long as you are, are thinking like they thought, I can't, then you can't. As long as you're thinking, I'll never make it, you'll never make it. As long as you're thinking, I'm going to lose, guess what? You're going to lose. You've got to turn that around and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, then who can be against me? You've got to look at yourself the way God looks at you. You've got to see that you are not a nobody, you're a somebody. You're not an outsider, you're an insider. You're not a slave, you're free. You're not an orphan, you are a child of the Most High and all-glorious God. And he has given you an identity that when you walk in that identity, when you walk in who He has made you, He causes you to walk under His power and His favor. You see, they were thinking, we're going to have to do this thing ourselves. We're going to have to possess this land ourselves. And they didn't see in themselves the strength to do it. Can I tell you, friend, the strength isn't in you. The strength is in God. The God that dwells on the inside of you. The God who is, has come to live in you through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. Can I just tell you this morning that some of you have some land to possess this year. 2018 is a year of opportunity. There are some things God wants you to confront. There are some giants God wants you to take down. Say amen, somebody. There are some challenges God wants you to over, overcome. Some of you have been living with the same giant for several years. And the Lord is telling you, this is the opportunity. This is the time to take down that giant and to walk in victory, to walk in the power of the Spirit, and to obtain the promise of God over your life. Maybe you have a relationship in your life that needs mending. You say, I don't have it within me to fix this problem. No, you don't, but God does. You say, oh, well, I, 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 need to, I need to increase my, my income and, and get a better job. I don't have it within me. No, you don't. But God within you can do anything. You say, Pastor, I, I want to I wanna finish college, but I don't know if I have it in me. Can I tell you, if God is in you, you can do it. There is power to overcome and to obtain the land which God has promised unto you. Now, this is the third thing they looked at. They looked at Moses. Now, you don't. You don't know this, but Moses was in his 80s, and if, you know, if Charleston Heston got it right, he was old and gray. You know, he had a, a big, white, long beard. And, and, uh, and there we see this, this old, frail leader, and yet he's being mightily used by God. And for 40 more years, Moses is going to lead the nation 
of Israel. But they said to him, we, uh, we went and did what you told us to do. Now notice the, the, the vocabulary there. They said, Moses, you sent us. And that shows us that they saw Moses as the source of the mission. They thought they were on Moses' mission. Can I tell you, friend, that as long as they thought they were on Moses' mission, they couldn't get this thing done. They had to realize this wasn't Moses' mission. This was God's mission. This was God's work that was being done. And I'm here today to tell you, you're not on my mission. You're not on Kingsway's mission. You are on God's mission. And when you are on God's mission, God will get things done in your life. Sometimes the pastor may come to you and I might say, I need you to do this or do that. And you might say, oh, this is pastor's mission. Don't think that. Because it might be me that's giving you the, the commission, but it's God who's giving you the, the, the instruction. It's coming from God. And he's the one that's going to do the work through you. The scripture says this, let him who serves, serve by the strength which God supplies. And let he who speaks, speak as though he is speaking the words of God. It's not your strength, but the strength which God is supplying through you. It's true, we can't do it, but this isn't our mission. I don't need to make it happen. I just need to believe God. Come on, somebody. You don't have to make the miracle happen. All you have to do is believe God. Believe God's instruction. Take Him at His word and honor what He speaks into your life. They had the perspective of man. They had a perspective of their problem. And as a result, they could not possess the land. Do you know that this generation, all of them died in the wilderness. None of them were able to enter the promised land. Forty years would pass before they would have another opportunity to enter the land of the promise. Forty years would pass before this congregation um, would die out and a new one would rise up to, to say, we believe God. We believe what God has promised. We believe what God has spoken to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and me. We believe what God has given us as a nation. And that nation came up with a yes in their spirit. I wonder today if there is a yes congregation in the house of God. If there is a yes member of this church, a yes member of this congregation that says, Yes, God, I believe. I believe that you're going to do a marvelous and great works in our day and in our generation. They, this generation that was unbelieving died out in the wilderness. And the Bible said that the sun bleached their bones in the desert. That is the tragedy, friend. Listen closely. That is the tragedy of saying no to God. When a man says no to God, he is closing the door to all spiritual blessing and life. You can't have eternal life until you say yes to God. Until you say yes to Christ, the nation of Israel would have another opportunity, a, a very significant one, several hundred years later, as Jesus the Messiah was coming into the world. The Bible said that He came to His own. He came to the Jewish people. He came to the Jewish nation, and they rejected Him. They said no. They, 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 turned, uh, they turned the message that He gave them and they, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't receive it into their hearts. And as a result, their eyes became blind to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, 2,000 years later, 
we see that still there is a national blindness which the Apostle Paul speaks about to the Roman, uh, to the book, in the book of Romans that has come over the Jewish nation, unable to see Christ as the Messiah, unable to see Him as their Lord. You see, friend, that's the tragedy of saying no to God when He calls. The Bible says today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Don't say later, God, I'll serve you tomorrow. If you're going to serve him, serve him today. If you're going to be, if you're going to be obedient to his voice, be obedient today. Because you don't know whether or not you'll have another opportunity. Whether or not there will be another door that will open. Or another, another uh, invitation extended to your life. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Salvation is for today. Uh, today is a day of decision for your heart and for your life. If you say no to Christ, I can't guarantee that you'll have another chance. Israel lost its moment. Israel lost its opportunity. Thanks, thanks be to God that He has given a promise that someday the nation of Israel will see the Messiah whom they have pierced. And we look forward to that day when the nation of Israel will again receive Christ as their Messiah. But until then, friend, I must warn you not to say no to God. Don't say no because you might miss out on the promised land that God has for you. Instead, cultivate in your heart a yes in your spirit that says, I believe God. I believe what God has promised for my life. I believe what God has promised for my children. And don't give up on that promise. Don't give up on what God has spoken over your life. You don't give up on what the Word of God has guaranteed to you. Because this Word, the Bible, is a guaranteed Word. Do you believe that? Do you believe this book? Do you trust it? Then hold on to it. Take a tight grip on the Word of God. And get a perspective of the promise of God. Now you say, Pastor, I've been waiting a long time. And I feel a little faint. I feel like I'm wanting to give up. I feel like I might give in. I, I feel like I can't, I can't hold on any longer. Let me read to you what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 through 18. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. He says, don't lose heart. Tell your neighbor, don't lose heart. You know, things are going to come that are going to cause us to lose heart. When the nation of Israel came the second time, to the Jordan 40 years later 40 years after saying no a new generation rose up and when they got to the Jordan guess what the Jordan had overflown its banks by one mile it was now a one mile wide rushing torrent of water have you ever come to the edge of the promised land and God has told you this is it I'm going to bring victory into your life and then you get to the border and there's more problems there than there were before it happens like that sometimes. And you say, you know what? I'm about to lose heart. I, I, I thought God was going to make it easy. This was my year. This was my day. So why do I have to cross a rushing river? God, let me tell you, don't look at that river. Look at the God that can turn oceans into dry land and who can make a way where there is no way. Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't quit. Don't, don't lose your faith. Rather, he says, don't lose heart. Why? First reason, because though our outer man is decaying, 
our inner man is being renewed day by day. Oh, I know this is a sad fact this morning. Our outer man is decaying. There was silence in the house of God. I heard some of those squeaky knees when you walked in this morning. I heard some of those squeaky elbows. <laughs> the outer man is decaying. I've seen you look up into the heavens and say, what was I trying to say? Where was I? I've seen your memory fade a little bit from time to time. I've seen how this outer man begins to decay. And, and whereas you used to jump out of bed, now you sit up in bed. And someday they're going to have to pull you out of bed but this outer man is decaying but there's an inner man that has been renewed by the spirit of God and that inner man is being renewed day by day my outer man gets older every day but my inner man gets newer every day he comes more alive more full of faith and confidence in God so don't lose heart friend because though your outer man may be decaying your inner man is being renewed day by day and then there's a second reason why we don't give up and why we don't quit. Because these momentary light afflictions are producing something in our life. Listen, friend. The afflictions that we face are, are light and they are momentary. I want you to say that with me. Light and momentary. Light means I can carry it. And momentary means I won't have to carry it for long. Whatever it is that I've got to go through, God's not going to put more on me than I can bear. I can do this thing. I can carry this burden. It is a light affliction. And it is a momentary thing. Nothing, listen friend, no season ever lasted forever. No night ever lasted forever. However dark the night may be, however dark the situation may become, there is a joy that is coming in the morning. There is a hope that is coming for your life. And this morning, you have an opportunity to say, God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to hold on because these things are momentary. They're passing. They have an expiration date. Tell your neighbor, your problem has an expiration date. Now shout amen, somebody. I say, your problem has an expiration date. God will see to it that victory will come into your life. And then we see here the, the Apostle Paul gives us this word of advice. He says, while we are not looking at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, because the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Listen. Paul gives us this instruction. Get a promise perspective. He says we don't look at the things that we see, but rather we look at the things that are not seen. We don't look at the things that are visible to the human eye. My eye sees the problem, but my spirit sees an opportunity for God to be glorified. We don't focus. We don't put our eyes on the things that we see, but rather we put our eyes on the things that are eternal, those things that are lasting, that are permanent, that are perpetual in our life. Can I, just, can I just get your attention for a moment? I know there's a lot going on in the church. There's Amber Alerts and there's people up and going in the house of God. I need you all to just be real still and be real quiet because you're going to miss what God wants you to hear this morning. Can I hear an amen? All right, thank you. Listen, you've got to get a perspective 
of what God has promised your life. He says we don't look at the things that we can see. We don't focus on the things that are, that are in our life. Or the job I don't have. The money that I'm lacking. The health that I need. We don't look at, at, the, at the idols and the things that attract our attention. Rather, we look to an eternal focus. There is an object which our eyes behold that is eternal, unchanging, and unmovable. We don't look to a God made of wood or hay or straw. We look to a God made who is all-powerful and all-knowing. A God who is eternal and a God who has you and me in His hand and whose grace is sufficient for every test and every strain and every trial. He says the things that we see are temporal. The things you look at, they're temporary. Everything in here, listen, everything in here is temporary. It's here today and gone tomorrow. That's why we have to focus on the eternal. We have to focus on that part of, of us that's eternal. You see, you can get your hair done and your nails done and your eyebrows done. And you get a new suit and a new tie and new shoes. All that's temporary. There's a part of you, an inner man, that's eternal. And that inner man, when visited by the Spirit of God, can see things that the natural man can't see. That, that, that man, the physical man might be sick, but the inner man says, I'm going to be well. The physical man might be in trouble, but the inner man says, I'm going to be delivered. The physical man says, I am weak. But the inner man says, no, we are strong. There is power in God. There is power in God's word. Because that inner man can see that what God has promised is more real than the chair you're sitting in. It's more real than the car you drove here. God says, if you want to enter the promised land, you've got to take your eyes off of the problem. and Look at the, the one who gives the promise. Look at the God who keeps his word. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. He is going to do with his hands what his mouth has spoken. So then I remind you of this as I close. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. God says to you, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. For as heaven is far above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than your ways. If you will, just raise your spiritual eyes up, and you'll see that God is greater than your problem. He's greater than your need. He's greater than your fear, your anxiety. He's greater than your shame. Listen, he's even greater than your past. He's greater than, than the, 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 the ball and chain that you've been carrying around from your past. He is greater than all of that. And if you will come to him, he'll make you free. He'll give you the promised land as your inheritance. A land where there is peace, acceptance with God, forgiveness of sins, provision of every need that we have in our spirit and in our natural life. Do you believe God this morning? 
All of the promises of God are yes. I said all of the promises of God are yes. Would you stand with me please this morning? Right where you are, just lift your hands and lift your voice to heaven. And just tell him, Lord, give me a promise perspective. Help me to see what you see. Help me to believe your word. Even if you must say like that man who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Just tell him, Lord, I need to hear from you. Because I want to possess the promised land. I want to possess the promises of God in my life.